Welcome along to episode 732 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we're quite health orientated this week. Dr. Sarah Jarvis will be letting us know about the perils of cholesterol and how to avoid them. We'll be talking to Fred Syriux of the wonderful first dates on Channel 4 about vaccinations. We'll be hearing from the team at Holland and Barrett about menopause within the Black, Asian and Middle Eastern communities and how it's not well served when it comes to advice. Kevin Blair is along to talk virtual reality. And we'll be finding out about the Wild Boys gig at this part of the Trentham Gardens Summer Concert Series. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 Uh, Welcome to the Milk Bar. There are some amazing things going on in the world of virtual reality at the moment. Somebody who knows a thing or two about this is Kevin Blair, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. Long time no see. How are you? Oh, good. And now I hope we find you well and enjoying your latest project. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we find me very well. It's um, a couple of um, troublesome years, um, having lost the first business to COVID um, mm-hmm. and a number of other factors, which we shall not go into today. Mm-hmm. But it's a case of you've got to dust yourself off Um smarten yourself up and start again so hence the haircut and the and, and, and you're throwing his cat t-shirt so that's that's a bit of fun however uh what is happening tell us a bit about what you're doing at the minute because this is going to be big once more isn't it yeah so we've actually got um a couple of projects on the go so concept xr is the the phoenix rising from the flames of what used to be called atmos vr um concept xr deals primarily with um b2b um, and we offer 3D laser scanning, digital twinning, um, based with um, virtual reality and augmented reality as well. And we feel augmented reality is going to come up to the, the fore, um, but also mixing in some computer vision and artificial intelligence as well for a new concept that started off as its own concept, but it's actually going to branch out into its own individual company called Epicenter. So Epicenter, mm-hmm. just very quickly on that one, is a... a an artificial intelligence-driven system that will allow police to conduct major crime investigations at the touch of a button. Um, so essentially, rather than having to go around doors, seeking ring doorbell footage and um, analysing that footage for suspects' locations, um, our system proposes to do it automatically. Um, opt-in, so it's got to be a double opt-in system for user privacy, but um, all being well, the detective on the ground will press a button, it'll suck them around all the ring doorbell footage, all the CCTV available, gather it in one location, computer vision and artificial intelligence will be able to locate the suspect within an hour. Um, so the, the the concept is why commit the crime when you, you ain't gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get caught. So that, that's lots of good things there and a great community aspect to that too. But uh, when it comes down to the, uh, the, the the virtual reality and augmented reality, we're seeing so much about that in the press these days. Uh, more and more headsets coming on the market from big players. And once you've got Meta and also Apple uh, working uh, in, in the marketplace, you know you're going to see some interesting moves there. And it will just be a continued development. And we've already seen uh, a step up with the uh, the Meta Pro that came out last year. And uh, these things mean that people are using you know, the, the devices in their homes and that means yep. that we need to have content for them which i know you're quite big on being able to produce uh, but equally it, it's about you know, the, the multi-platform nature of this and, and making things work for everyone and again it takes sometimes someone outside of the the big businesses putting the hardware out there to really make a difference 
Yeah, and you're quite right. The biggest thing is you can put the hardware there, but the hardware is useless without content. Um, and there's a, a ton of content developers coming through. We're encouraging the the youngsters to go through university, get their grad, get your get your gaming qualifications. Um, in fact, we're actually seeing um, more gamers coming through as developers. Virtual reality did never replace that, but it has helped with big names such as Apple releasing their Vision Pro next year. I think it's a little bit pricey, got to be honest, and I don't think it will deliver what it says on the marketing tin, but we'll wait and see. We'll probably be developing with it as well, so mm-hmm. uh, you can't afford not to in these days. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that move goes on. And uh, so with with um, a number of brands out there already, uh, it's it's about having you know device agnostic content. And uh, I I find that for me, there's not enough stuff just to to watch and experience a headset. Some brilliant games out there, uh, and and there's some of the the uh, the, the virtual uh, mixed reality uh, uh, zombie shoot 'em ups that sort of thing uh, can be absolutely fantastic. Um, and when we first met probably what about seven eight years ago now when we were first looking at some of this yeah yeah at least mine's all gone now but uh it's uh just what we were seeing then was amazing and uh what you can do in a standalone headset without having to plug into a computer now really Mm. does make it simple and the fact that streaming is so much better than it's ever been before what sort of things are you seeing coming to market either through yourselves or through others uh, so we are big fans of the HTC project. Uh, I know there's other headsets out there and Pico, uh, but the, the HTC uh, Focus 3, you can stream direct to it. So rather than having to carry big backpacks and computers around, which we started off with, um, with the HP products, um, we've moved over to HTC Focus 3s, which can be multiple headsets in the same environment, shared experiences. That was always a downside of VR, it was always solo experiences. Now you can have multiple use shared experiences streamed direct to the headset via Wi-Fi 6E. So the technology is starting to catch up with it as well. And we're also playing around with the new Magic Leap augmented reality headset as well. Um, looking forward to actually overlaying digital factory and training on the production line as opposed to in the classroom. And where, yeah, whatever device you sign up to, uh, it, it's good to know that there are people looking at all sorts of different things. And I think augmented reality, as you say, is one of those things which is going to make a difference. But the headsets have got to be something which uh, allows you to see through them without latency and and be able to, to, to get good kit. And you're now putting on a headset, which is a much more sensible size than some of the bits of kit that you see these days. There is. This is the Magic Leap 2 augmented reality headset. So as well as seeing everything in front of me, I can have an overlay like a head-up display, um, factories, digital twinning, all that type of stuff in front of me, um, maps on the ground for command and control. Um, so it's actually a very nice piece of kit. And um, yeah, it's still quite expensive, so it's not for the average user. Mm-hmm. Um, very much enterprise-driven, um, but the ability to create content for that one there is um, something we're focusing on heavily this year as well. But that actually comes with a processing box and then the headset separately, rather than putting all the weight on your head. Yeah, definitely. You've got the, if I just take it out of the pack there, you've got the computer, which sits on your belt pack. Mm-hmm. You've got the headset there, which you can see through. Um, it's got the cameras on the front for spatial tracking. And you've also got the addition of a little um, handheld mouse joystick puck thing as well. And I, th- I think it's it's that interaction and and the handsets that read your actual hand and you can control with physical gestures. Uh, that is going to I think add more to people's world of uh, of VR and AR, isn't it? Uh, very much so. That's what um, so much the Apple Focus um, Pro isn't going to come out with a controller as we understand it at the moment. Um, purely hand gestures. However, we are wondering how gamification of experiences within that headset are going to work because realistically, you still need controllers to 
move around and point mm -hmm. and shoot and trigger and stuff like that. You can't do everything with a hand. The cameras just aren't quick enough to actually do anything like that. Um, but we've always focused um, from another aspect of a business. Um, we've just uh, launched uh, a company called Fiverr. So it was Fiverr, actually, my apologies, not Fiverr. Fiverr is another website. And Fiverr is fully immersive experiences in virtual reality. So you've got the headsets on, the brand new ones that you're streaming to, but we're also adding the 4D effects, the motion control platforms, all that type of stuff. Just to go back to what we touched on with Atmos VR initially, having the warehouse opened in Digvith and Birmingham, to give you that full-on immersive experience, because we don't just want to take your eyes and your ears away from you. We want to take your nose, your touch, your finger, everything away from you, and then replace it with what we want you to see. Yeah, put it into a whole new world and a way to experience things. I mean, uh, having just stood on the moon quite casually with uh, the VR headset I have at home, uh, yeah, and that in itself is, is even only a, a graphic model there. The right, it's, it's not rendered photos or photo real, but you can see and get a feel for what you're looking at doing. You can explore things like the uh, the International Space Station, and then with some of the amazing 360 degree stereo drone footage that uh, uh, you can get out there, you can actually you know stand on top of a mountain or fly across space and up Everest it, everywhere yeah it, it's amazingly realistic and you know if you're then adding in the extra sensory stuff too it, it's going to be brilliant for so is that something that's up and running in the near future and uh, well fever has got a website already there's a couple of projects on there already that we've already worked on um I'm actually sitting here putting the the pen to paper um on a new concept called the bus um and the idea is that the bus will pick you up from a bus stop take you on a journey which will just seem normal to start with and then it will um, plunge into the realms of um, immersive entertainment, um, which I'm not going to go too much into at the moment. We've got to get it off the ground. We've got to get funded. The biggest thing with these things is it's funding. The technology is not cheap, um, but the bus we think will be absolutely hilarious because we can take it anywhere. Um, and when you come off that bus, um, yeah, you'll, you'll be shaking and stirred possibly <laughs> and this is about getting people into having this sort of kit at home and whilst you can do it in a more immersive way that which is which makes it an experience mm -hmm. you then you will still find people still go and play arcade games even though they've got a playstation yeah. and, and and i think the playstation probably fuels the needs to go out to an arcade and play there and it's, it's about the family entertainment fun and we see little bits of virtual reality because uh, like in the olden days we may have seen um roller coaster simulators well these days it's a chair that vibrates rather than having to make a physical roller coaster for you to watch a screen in front of and you're really there and it's, that's a sort of immersive thing that you'll be taking to that next level i completely i'm gonna i'm gonna shy away from the roller coaster bit a little bit that actually did a little bit of damage to the virtual reality world purely because you would sit in a static seat mm -hmm. and then the world around you would move your brain could not handle it so that's what we called simulator sickness mm -hmm. and it actually gave vr a little bit of a bad name but the technology has moved on so much and we'd i'd recommend don't do a roller coaster simulation unless you're on a roller coaster because <laughs> it matches the movement um i would certainly there's escape rooms in VR. I played a fantastic escape room um, uh, called The Room, and there's room one, two, and three and stuff, and the room VR. And I lost five or six hours of my life in VR just trying to get out of this flaming experience. It was brilliant. Um, but do watch. I, I would highly recommend, if you're new to VR, don't do a really motion-intensive experience while you're sitting down static. Your brain and your body don't match the, the sensation, and you, will, you, you may feel ill. However... Standing up, walking around, full control, streaming into the VR is just, it's, like, it's an experience. Like I've played tennis. I played table tennis against somebody in Australia just because <laughs> I could. And it was it was great fun. Plus, my wife's currently using her um, MetaQuest 
um, to get fit. There's a system on there called FitXR. It's a boxing game where you're punching objects coming towards you and things like that. And I'll tell you what, even in this heat, you you, you crack the sweat on. So there's lots of great things out there. There's lots of different platforms. Your favourite one at the moment is still the... I still go for the Focus 3 at the moment. Focus um, 3 there. I've got the Focus Elite XR as well. Um, but the Focus 3 is one that we encourage. I mean, I've got the Meta Quest. I understand that, but the, it's not as, for me, um, as advanced as the Focus as the Focus 3, and you've got access to the full Steam library as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's headsets there. You can actually umbilical cord to your PC. So if you want to play Microsoft Flight Simulator and VR, you can do that as well. So there's some brilliant stuff out there. Where do we find out about all these projects you're working on at the moment? Uh, so um, two websites, one is conceptxr.co.uk and then the other one, which is for the entertainment side of things, is um, Fever, which is f-i-e-v-r.co.uk. And uh, either of those offering things that we can use at home at the moment or is that something that's still maybe to come in the future? Uh, we are purely looking at concepts and developing stuff. We don't develop hardware, um, but we are looking at a couple of um, we've partnered up with a company in Stafford, actually. Um, I would highly recommend trying out um, Recoil. Recoil is a multiplayer shoot game experience where you're in a maze and you're running around the maze trying to shoot each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big plug out to um, Ben um, up at Fennec Labs with his Recoil platform. Um, it's, it's great fun. Um, but as for us, we, we come up with the ideas and the concepts and um, trying to bring them to market on a bigger scale. Oh, so we will look forward to seeing much more from you. Keep us posted because we love it when there's stuff happening around here that is actually at the forefront of the whole move in technology in this world. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Kevin Blair, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for the time. On the 28th of July, a fantastic Friday night is ahead because the Wild Bulls will be doing their 80s thing. Rich Knight is here to tell me more about what they're up to. Hello, sir. Afternoon. How are you doing? You all right? I'm good, thank you. I'm very much looking forward to finding out about your gig because it's part of the Trentham Summer Concert Series. And so you've got the Friday, the 28th of July. Uh, and uh, it is an amazing series of events. You're actually so proud to be part of it. I can't wait. Um, I've had a few bands that have played before. Um, Mercury. Queen tribute band, friends of ours. They've mm-hmm. played it on a few occasions and they've, they've said to me how good it is. Um, and when it got confirmed, we were like, yes, this is going to be a good one. So, yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. So tell us a bit about uh, the 80s that you select to bring to life on stage. Oh, well, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because there's so many um, bangers, can I say that? Mm-hmm. So many bangers in the, from the 80s. Um, so, yeah, we, we tend to sort of stick with party sort of tracks um like Depeche Mode, just can't get enough. Um, give it up, never gonna give you up. Um just endless tunes, really. Party yeah. song. And as many that can contradict each other next to each other as possible by the same. Oh, exactly, yeah. You're gonna put never gonna give you up next to Relax by Frankie Goes Hollywood, and that's quite a random <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden. It's like what? <laughs> so how did you come to love the 80s music as much as you did to perform it with such style well it was um the band was formed nearly 14 years ago and was set up by myself and my brother who is also the drummer um as just a bit of a joke bit of a fancy dress sort of birthday party let's let's do something to do with the 80s yeah brilliant so we dressed up we wore spandex uh wigs it, we looked awful <laughs> um, we did it for probably 50 people that came to my birthday party uh, in an old warehouse that we used to own put a little stage there out of, made out of pallets 
Um, yeah, and after the gig, I was like, oh, you should do some gigs, you should do some proper gigs. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we will, we will. Uh, and we ended up making the set list a little bit longer and contacting a few local bars and venues. And it just, and it escalated from there. Um, an agent contacted us about a year later. She said, you sound brilliant. You look horrendous. We're like, okay, thanks for the honesty. Um, but yeah, it, basically we changed the image to more sort of Miami Vice style. Mm-hmm. Um, and it escalated what we've been doing recently, big corporate shows, festivals, Isle of Wight Festival two weeks ago. Unbelievable. But I mean, but you've appeared alongside some massive stars from the eighties themselves. Yeah, we've um, shared the bill in alongside. I mean, the, probably the biggest one we did was with Michael Bolton, which was some quite surreal. <laughs> uh, Human League, um, Tony Hadlett. The list is, to be honest, it's nearly everyone now. ABC, everyone that's living, we've probably played with. <laughs> Uh, to, it's, it is a great time for music and a great time for party music. So this is going to be an amazing night. Uh, Trendsum.co.uk to to find out how you can get tickets. But it's, it's just nineteen quid. It's exceptionally value for money, and it's, it's great value for money. Yeah, it's, it's just it'll a great a fun, environment. Fun packed night. It's gonna it'll be one of those nights you you leave and you want to you already want to go back to it again next year. Mm-hmm. And fingers crossed, you're hoping to get us booking for uh, another year down at Trentham as well, aren't you? Hopefully, yeah. Well, it depends if people buy the t- tickets, doesn't it? So they are going to sell. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, absolutely. So Wild Boys uh, is going to be the ultimate eighties show. Uh, so Angie, you've got that Miami Vice look. Uh, will we be hearing any Axel F whilst you're there? No, that's Definitely. that. That's not party enough for you. <laughs> well, it's instrumental, and I'm a singer. I can't take it away from myself, can I? No, you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to uh, stop people sharing your talents. But uh, so it, no, it's good. no, definitely not. Have you got an absolute favourite 80s track you'll be featuring? I've got one, and I say every gig, it's been in the set. It wasn't in the set for a long time, and then we put it in about four years ago. And at the start of every time we play it, I say to people, this song is going to be played for the next 40 years, 40, 50 years. It'll be played forever, this next song. And it's Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Yeah, and, and amazing track. Yeah. I mean, they did some brilliant work, didn't they? Just It's sort oh. of, it, it feels 80s just thinking about it. Oh, I just as soon as I tell you what, I'll, I'll big it up quite a bit. Obviously, um, as soon as you hear that guitar part at the start, everyone's just like, "Whoa!" And then I get everyone to wave their arms like this. And I tell you what, it's really sad, but it's not even our song or my song. But it get, I get goosebumps just seeing everyone doing this and getting really into it, and they're singing it. And we did a show last weekend um, down in um, a place called Yateley, um, big sort of festival again. And the, the amount of youngsters there as well. So this is this is why the age is great at the moment because of the programs like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. lots of adverts to use it, the tracks from the eighties. All the children are singing these songs, and I, I mean I forget the words sometimes. And I'm looking at these little children; they're singing all of it, all the world, and <laughs> um, just can't get enough. I'm still standing. They, they're singing along like they like it was their music, their their generation. It's just brilliant. Well, if people want to find out more about the band, where do they go to? Wildboysband.co.uk. All of our public gig listings get put on there. And there's more information on there, videos, um, recordings, everything, basically. Everything you, Wild Boys. You can get uh, you on the socials as well. There's a bit of an Instagram action going on. All on there. Wildboys at Wildboys 80s Band. Uh, Facebook. I think we're nearly at 9,000 followers now on Facebook. It's, it's mad. If we can get them all to one gig, that would be a good one. Oh. Would have been it, but there was about I think there was about five and a half thousand at the Isle of Wight gig the other day. So um, in this big top, but we're hoping for more at Trenton. So 
yeah, should be looking good at trentham.co.uk, T-R-E-N-T-H-A-M.co.uk. Look for the link to the summer concert series, £19 in. Uh, it is, uh, if you're under 16, you do need an adult to accompany you, and under threes go free. So you can bring uh, the kids or grandkids, as oh, the case may be, to rock out with a bit of 80s classic music. Rich Knight from the Wild Boys, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the day. See you guys.
over 55s need to make sure they are checking on their cholesterol to avoid the dangers of stroke and heart attack. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr. Sarah Jarvis. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Pleasure as ever, Jason. Well, good to talk to you again. And we do cover a, an awful wide range of subjects when we get a chance to have a chat. And looking at cholesterol is a vitally important one. Uh, I know that uh, I had a, a checkup last year as part of an NHS uh, screening campaign. And uh, I sat down and they did my cholesterol and they, they looked at my my weight and my height and, uh, and the fact I'm over 50 now and said, your cholesterol is quite good. Even though I wasn't entirely happy with the, pic- the, the picture that's there, but there's more than one type of cholesterol in it. It's adding all these things up to get the figure which tells us whether we're in a good or a bad position. You're absolutely right. And worryingly, three quarters, in fact, over three quarters of people have no idea that if your cholesterol is raised, then you won't know about it in the short term. And yet all the time you've got raised cholesterol, you are living with a higher risk of heart attack and stroke. So actually nearly half of adults have got cholesterol levels above the national guideline, which means that you, Jason, are in a minority, a happy minority (laughs) in having quite good levels of cholesterol. And I think that that the problem we've got is that so many people don't recognise that it can cause issues, particularly, I'm afraid, in the West Midlands, you are not doing brilliantly, unfortunately. And you're doing quite well in terms of people who've had a heart attack or stroke. So actually, um, the good news is that compared to the rest of the country, fewer people who've had a heart attack and stroke have not made any changes. So only about one in 20 people who's had a heart attack hasn't made any changes. But nearly two in three people in the West Midlands have never worried about their cholesterol levels. Well, believe me, given that cholesterol is one of the biggest risk factors for heart attack and stroke, and given that heart attack and stroke are still the biggest killers in the UK, we should all be worried. Yeah, because by the time the cholesterol has done the damage, you've already gone through a potentially life-changing situation. A stroke could cause loss of mobility, speech, and a lot of other issues too. Uh, And if you're looking at having a heart attack, it, that again, it is going to change your life. It's going to change the pace of your life, if nothing else. And uh, for so many, sadly, they won't survive either of these two conditions. So it is about making sure you do your best to avoid them. Yeah, absolutely. And really, it's just about being aware that there is an issue that, as I say, most people are not aware that there aren't any symptoms. So you won't know unless you've had it checked out. Now, if you're 40 to 74 and you haven't already had a heart attack or stroke and haven't had your cholesterol checked in the last five years, you can get a free NHS health check where, as you so rightly said, when you went along, you did all the right things. They checked your height, they checked your weight, they had a chat about your diet, they checked your cholesterol and so on. And they can put all of that into perspective. If you have had a heart attack or stroke, it's absolutely crucial that you see your healthcare professional at least once a year, more often, um, if it's recommended. Now, it goes without saying that if you have had a heart attack and stroke, diet and lifestyle changes are absolutely crucial. But of course, you'll also be managed with medication because your risk is so much higher that we'll need to use medication to help bring your cholesterol down. But that does not mean that you can ignore lifestyle. Absolutely. And so if you get your lifestyle, so it's maybe reined in a little bit now, it can avoid it becoming a major problem later on. And so the things monitoring things like blood pressure as well. Again, if we maybe ought to be checking this at home, because when you go to your doctors, I mean, again, that's time I went for a check of the doctors. Uh, I dashed in, ran across the car park, went in. First thing they did was print my blood pressure. It was stupid. And your blood pressure was high. Yeah, because uh, I made them do it again at the end and yeah. it was perfectly normal. So again, I'm, I'm lucky that my blood pressure is good too, especially considering some of the stuff my family have been through in the past. So, you know, it's, uh, it is important 
important to check family history on these things too. But it, it is we're, there's good and bad cholesterol as well, isn't there? So, you know, this is all things we need to know about. Yeah, absolutely. So you're quite right. There is good and bad cholesterol. The vast majority of us, sadly, who have high cholesterol have too much of the bad stuff, not too much of the good stuff. And you're quite right that family history can make a difference to your likelihood of having a heart attack and stroke. Having said that, actually, the vast majority of people, it is down to your lifestyle rather than your family history. However, if you have got other people in your family who've had heart attack and stroke, particularly if they've had it at a young age, it's even more important to get your cholesterol checked because there is an inherited form of high cholesterol. And what's also well known is that, for instance, if you tend to put on weight over your tummy. So if any weight, if you're an apple rather than a pear and any excess weight tends to go over your tummy rather than over your hips, which again is often determined by your genetics, so your family history, then again, you are at increased risk of heart attack and stroke. But exercise, so important. And you don't need to put the lycra on and train for a marathon and all the rest of it. Little changes gradually easing up really will make a significant difference. Likewise, where your diet's concerned, you know, cutting down on food that's high in saturated fats, that's animal fat, cutting down on junk food, the really processed, starchy, white carbs, all of those things will make a difference. The Mediterranean style diet, and I do not mean souvlaki and kebabs there, um, but the, the Mediterranean style diet with a high, you know, um, olive oil, so low um, unsaturated fat, olive oil, things like that, things which are either low fat or higher in unsaturated fat, plant-based foods, really importantly, less meat, more fish, ideally a couple of portions of fish a week, but it's the fruit and veg and the unrefined carbs so the 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 ones that you know keep you regular the stuff that's got fiber in it all of those things little changes really do add up more muesli less chips and make sure that if we are using oils we use the right ones that'll be the one but don't forget i'm afraid that muesli can have an awful lot of hidden sugar what's the sugar yeah okay so okay we'll, just, we will be we'll watch what we do so yeah less dried <laughs> fruit and it more real fruit Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the veg, it's so easy. It doesn't need just to be vegetables. It doesn't need to be sort of massacred Brussels sprouts that smell horrible. There are so many ways of making fruit and vegetables, lentils, pulses, beans. And really importantly, of course, a lot of my patients will say, look, I can't afford to eat healthily. Do you know what? You really, really can because lentils, beans, pulses, things like that. Tinned ones are really easy and they are really, really cheap, even by comparison with some of the sort of, you know, very refined foods that are out there, some of the junk foods. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen quinoa and sale in my local shop for 10 pence a tin. So uh, I have some in the cupboard. I haven't worked out what to do with it yet. So I should be looking for advice on that one later. But uh, these <laughs> things do help. And they do fill out a meal quite nicely as well, don't they? You get they a good really bulk do. with low calories yeah. and good, good fiber. Exactly. And of course, what you can do is you can start off with meals. If you've got a, a meat meal, for instance, if you're making a stew, if you're making something with mince, then, you know, go for the lower fat versions, add in some pulses, bulk it out, chop up some vegetables small and hide them in there from your loved one. You'd be <laughs> amazed how much you can sneak past the rest of the family without them starting to notice. But do it gradually. And as you gradually build up, you'll discover actually you'll get to the stage where you don't like the really refined stuff anymore yeah you'll enjoy it and uh yeah stick some pearl barley in the in the broth or puree your vegetables and no one need ever know it wasn't any other thickening ingredient where do we go for more information on looking after our cholesterol 
Well, of course, your pharmacist, your practice nurse, your GP can all help. But Heart UK, the website, Heart UK is the cholesterol charity. They have fantastic information. The NHS website or patient.info all have great information on reducing your cholesterol. But the important thing is get it checked. And if you don't want to go to your GP, you can actually get tests you can buy online to, to, to do it yourself at home, can't you? You can, but if you've had a heart attack and stroke, absolutely key to see your healthcare professional at least once a year, more often if they say so, because really important to remember, once you've had a heart attack and stroke, I'm afraid, then you are at higher risk of having another one. And that means you just need to go that extra mile. Absolutely. Dr. Sarah Jarvis, as ever, thank you for joining us and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Pleasure as ever. All the best, Jason. New research has shown that this year's hit TV shows are impacting our UK travel plans, with Death in Paradise, Race Across the World and Ted Lasso being inspirations when it comes to getting out and about. Uh, somebody who uh, is very much has enjoyed travelling the world, uh, as well as being uh, an import to this country, as Fed Zuriak, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm Thank good. you very I'm... much for having me on your show today. Well, good to talk to you. And now when it comes down to travel, uh, obviously TV is an inspiration. Uh, you've been part of that inspiration yourself with some of the uh, the trips that you've done on TV. And it must be great fun getting out and about for work. Yeah, it's it's great. I was recently, two weeks ago, I was in Wales, actually. I was in the Gower filming for Remarkable Places to Eat, which is the show that I do where I get taken by a foodie or a chef to a destination of their choice. And we go to three different restaurants and take the clock uh, back, uh, the, the back of the clock uh, uh, of the restaurant to find out, you know, uh, what makes them so extraordinary and, and exceptional. And uh, I was, I've never been to Wales, you know, when I was in the Gower, it was so beautiful. It was spectacular. I'll definitely go back there. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things to visit at home as well. The thing that happens, you know, when we get uh, inspired to go uh, to, to faraway places because we watch television, is one thing that we forget to do is check on the travel requirements. And that's why I've teamed up with uh, bewareofthebugs.com, which is uh, a go-to website that I use. And within a minute or so, you being on the site, it tells you what you need for the destination and where to get your vaccinations done in a local clinic. So it's, it's a no-brainer, really. And one thing that people don't realize and all too often is because of the advance of climate change and the way that the temperatures are rising everywhere, that mosquitoes are traveling with the heat. And they are now in places where they were not years ago, simply because of climate change. So this is why it's also even more important to be aware of the uh, vaccination requirements for wherever you are going to in the world. Because yeah, I've worked in Brazil and uh, had my yellow fever jab when I was at that. I also uh, uh, took malaria tablets uh, initially, even though the region I was in didn't have an issue. So I was able to stop those. But we do need to worry about things like dengue. Uh, that fever is, uh, is a bit of a problem. Uh, I was surprised to discover that if you're heading to France, there might be a mosquito-borne problem as well. Yeah, there could be, you know, and that's why you've got to check and you've got to make sure that you know where you're going and, and what's required. And then you can uh, you, you can you you, you can uh, take the right measures, which is take the vaccination if it's re required, you know, and uh, and then you can have a safe holiday and come back and tell everybody about it. Because mm -hmm. it's only really the same as using sunscreen. You know, you're going to need that when you're out and about. So why wouldn't you get your health checked with a vaccination first? Yeah, I think this is something that's not in the mind of people. I don't know for you, but for me, you know, my parents were. Uh, always teaching us, me and my brother, you know, to make sure that we had the vaccination. This is something that 
that that we discussed at the dinner table. Um, but maybe because they were working in the French NHS, they were both nurses, so they were very aware of what needed to be done from a health perspective. Um, so for me, it's like second nature. I don't even think about it. It's something that's ingrained in in, in me, and I've always done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's important for me to just share with other people. You know that that very easy go to website BewareOfTheBox.com, so that. So that you you know you don't end up with uh, with trouble and with uh, a disease that you don't want to catch when you go on holiday. Absolutely, I mean things like uh, hepatitis needs to be vaccinated against for uh, I think it's A and B, particularly if again uh, I know that was something that was discussed when I went to Brazil. But you have to plan ahead because these will have to be done sometimes many weeks before you travel. That's right. I mean, look, when you're going to a faraway destination like Brazil, for example, you would plan months in advance, weeks in advance. So that's just be just has to be part of your planning. And that's just the way you've got to you've got to approach the whole thing and um, and get it done on time. And what's the uh, the most uh, surprising one that you've had to have done when you've been travelling out and about? Oh, I got so many vaccination: the yellow fever, uh, hepatitis. Yes, I mean, she's just at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's all a jab to me. I don't know what's in there. You know, I don't. I can't see. You know, there's no like it's a blue or a red or a green. <laughs> it's just just in a syringe. You get it done, and and that's it. You know, you've got it. And that's the main thing, really. Any destinations that you particularly like to go to? Um, I love to travel everywhere, really. I really enjoy traveling the world, um, going back to France, going to Paris, going to uh, Negril in Jamaica is my favorite destination there on the island. Um, but, you know, there's one thing I want to do with Southeast Asia. I haven't done much of that. Africa, I love to go in Africa, Central Africa, East Africa, West Africa. I'd love to do that. I mean, there are more places that I haven't been than places I've been to. So, you know, I've got to hurry up. I'm 51. I'm not getting any younger. So I've got to get it done now. <laughs> You're the same age as me. Stop making me feel old. But uh, when you are looking at heading out about it, it is bewareofthebugs.com you'll be heading to uh, to see what vaccinations are required is it? And, and making sure you are prepared well in advance. Exactly. That's all you need to do. And if somebody offered you the chance to a trip into space, would you go there, vaccinations or no? Uh, not now. No, you'll 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 no. stick with the, stick with this planet for now and uh, enjoy yeah. the great things you've got to see here. There is not much to do in space. No, uh, uh, probably the food's terrible. Yes, the food is definitely terrible. You used to get the good stuff down here on Earth, Fred Surya. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Take care. With more than half of 51% of women from black, Asian and minority ethnic backgrounds saying current advice is focused on the menopause experience of white women, there's obviously a lot of work that needs to be done to bridge that gap and also making sure that people get the required advice. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Mira Bogle, menopause expert, and Alina Chan, Director of Women's Health at Holland & Barrett. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. How are you, Jason? Oh, good here? Hi. Right. Okay. First of all, uh, Mira, explain a a bit about what is going on here, because when we talk about menopause, we should be making sure that we're giving the right advice to everyone. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where things fall down, actually. Um, You know, we with Holland and Barrett, with the Every Menopause Matters campaign that they are, you know, that they've they've launched. um, This is really where we're going to bridge the gap between the support and advice that um, is currently available and actually being able to reach the populations that aren't getting the support that they need. And these are the you know, ethnic minority communities. So this work that they're doing is super important. 
And, and that work in itself, it really allows people to get on with their normal lives because menopause is, is a part of life. I can say that specifically because I'm a bloke. But uh, equally, I, I say it in a, knowing that actually it is just part of life and it should never be treated as anything other than normal. And uh, again, that, that is part of this campaign, isn't it, Lena? Yeah, it is. I think it's um, there's there's quite a lot in terms of kind of the narrative about menopause um, that we, we really hope to change with, you know, the work that Mira is doing and the campaign. Um, that we're launching and, and it's like you said for most people it is a natural transition there are there are there are sometimes through surgery or other conditions that women might go into menopause a lot earlier but for the majority of us it is a natural transition so we need to break these taboos um, we need to help women feel more empowered to talk about these things that they're going to be going through and are we seeing the fact that the conversation may be harder or more difficult to have based on uh, your cultural background is that part of the issue yeah, I mean, it really is. With the work that I do, and I visit communities regularly to try and raise awareness about a menopause, and I visit in predominantly South Asian communities, the one thing that is there, are the, barri the barriers that are there, are um, language. Language is a huge barrier. So, you know, with Holland and Barrett's, one of the initiatives that they've got is the online hub where women can access free one-to-one -one consultations in four different languages. So Gujarati, Urdu, Hindi, um, and Punjabi. And, um, you know, that's gonna make a huge difference to how women experience menopause. Um, and, and I see that literally in the work that I do on sort of grassroots level, where women are saying to me that they don't have the language to express what they need. Quite often they don't want to go and see a GP, um, you know, because there is a language barrier or because they don't know how to communicate what's happening to them. So the, you know, menopause advisors at, um, you know, on this online hub, Holland and Barrett's online, online hub, are gonna be able to give them the support and, and signpost them. Um, and they don't need to then necessarily visit a GP per se, which is quite often sometimes something they don't wanna do. Um, you know, as you said, people see this as something that's natural. So they don't often see it as they're ill or there's something wrong with them. So they're like, why do I need to go to a GP? So actually just being able to speak to somebody who can then say to them, well, actually perhaps try this or this or signpost them um, to where they need to go, I think is gonna have a huge benefit in making the menopause experience quite positive for so many of women. Yeah, it, it is just part of as the natural transition. It's part of life the same way as many things are. We've all experienced puberty well before we anyone hits the menopause. And we know that our bodies change and it can be really, really confusing. So it's just a, a, another part of, of, of that life journey. Uh, but equally, again, Lena, uh, if, if somebody does need medical help, uh, they, they, you'll be able to signpost them towards that as well to, as you, you know, get an understanding of the situation that somebody's in. Because it might be there is something that either can be done which is to help or it could be there is something wrong and it may be that they're putting off symptoms of one thing and it's actually something else. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why we actually have two different services on the whole platform. So we've trained our colleagues and our colleagues are there to educate, to signpost. Um, but we also do have um, a, a nurse hotline that we're working with together with menopause mandate and you know and they're there to give a bit more of a medical guidance but not not to replace the gp at all um but to prepare them for a conversation with gp with a gp if they think it's necessary so so i, and I completely agree with mira i think it's you know it's a natural transition um we should be able to empower women um to go through it but then there are some people who do need that extra support and we're absolutely there to signpost them to get that support and again the the, the surprise 
to me, reading this survey result, was that uh, people from a BAME background may experience menopause at a different age. Now, obviously, everybody's different anyway, but on average, it is already at an earlier point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, black women will um, experience menopause almost two years earlier um, than their uh, white European counterpart and have more severe symptoms in certain cases. So obviously genetics playing a huge part in this, but equally it's making sure that we have the services and the support there for everyone in our community. And uh, I, I know that obviously here with the work that Holland Barrett do, uh, you, there's always the opportunity to talk about whatever supplement or additional piece of uh, you know, a nutritional advice that, that is out there for whoever you are. So it's always worth approaching because we're not just talking about the menopause here. Holland Barrett has got a great range of, of help for everyone across the community. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're very passionate about supporting women across every reproductive life stage um, from menstruation to fertility, pregnancy and the menopause. And it's all really about breaking these taboos, improving access and education so women feel comfortable coming forward and asking for help rather than suffering in silence. And uh, then, you know, with the uh, the work that's been done here and yeah, taking that to, to a wider circle, it's about talking about it, having that conversation. And I, I think, again, this is something we often find difficult. I mean, uh, I, I have a number of conversations about menopause because I'm doing interviews on it. But ordinarily, I don't think I would if it wasn't for the fact we're trying to get the message here. Uh, Amira, you must see that in your work. It's about starting that conversation. Well, I mean, you know, if you consider that uh, women's health in general within South Asian communities tend to be very taboo, um, particularly what my experience has been that, you know, they don't want to, women are very, uh, they're, they're really reluctant to come forward because they've never been given that space to do so. So absolutely breaking the taboo is super important, having those conversations, but actually even giving women that language, giving women communication and language within the languages that they speak, their native, you know, their native language is super important um, because that's quite often where the taboo comes from is that, you know, they, they actually don't have the words to put together um, to be able to speak about their experiences. And from what I've seen, you know, South Asian women are experiencing menopause, perimenopause symptoms um, and they can't join the dots. They're not sort of putting those dots together because they don't have the awareness or the education that they need. And that's really what needs to change. And I think with what Holland and Barrett are doing, um, we're really bridging that gap. And it is really groundbreaking, actually. It's, it's, it's such a wonderful campaign to be part of. And it absolutely makes my life going into communities and speaking to women so much easier because finally I can signpost them and say right you know go online book your consultation speak to an advisor who has been trained who you know you can speak in a in a language um, that is native to you um, and you can speak to a female uh, there and actually that makes that experience of of menopause so different and so much more positive I didn't have it um, you know, and, and that's why I really am campaigning to try and raise this awareness because I went through you know, a nightmare of uh, 10 years of not being able to understand what was happening to me. Um, and whilst doctors and GPs are absolutely brilliant at what they do and that should never be taken away from what they do, but I wasn't heard or understood and these women aren't being heard and understood. So this, this campaign, um, you know, uh, which is so well kind of rounded in that it's got the menopause mandate at one side and it's got well-being of women charity on the other um you know really brings together what we need it's 
bridging that gap. It, absolutely. And I, I really do. I'm just so excited to see where this is going to go. It's, it's going to be so good. It's good to know this is there. there. This is helping people across our community and actually making a difference. When a time when they, they, they need to have a greater understanding of what's happening, to be able to get through what will be difficult times, but equally isn't it's not life ending it's just a change you know it, it is it's something that's there but it it's got to be done and uh yeah the, the advice be given in a way in which it's going to help people through that and it really sounds like this is coming across here so give us all those details of where we can find uh the information and put signpost somebody in our lives who may need this help so a lot of it you can find online um if you go onto the holland and barrett's website there's the health hub with all the articles translated into different languages and then there are two areas that we can um you can consultations one which is with our qualified um, advisors and then also the nurse hotline so it's all on the home page um, very easily signposted from there so that's the that's the best bet and then of course our 800 and odd stores on the high street i mean that's that's where we start breaking taboos and normalizing is bringing it to the high street so pop into a store and um and a lot of our uh advisors in store will, will be able to help yeah, Dudley Street, Wolverhampton, pop in and uh, have a chat, see <laughs> exactly. what can be done to help you through. And yeah. uh, But uh, don't be afraid to go in and talk about it. And if you need the distraction technique of picking up an, an interesting looking chocolate bar at the same time to go and speak to someone at the counter, just so you feel comfortable, pick up that chocolate bar, treat yourself to that at the same time. That will probably do <laughs> exactly. us all some good. <laughs> for now, Mira Vogel, menopause expert and the Chan Director of Women's Health at Holland and Barrett. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 733 next week. I'll see you then. Drop it out. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.